0: I just want to say if if you haven't been with us um, first of all my name is matt the pastor here if i don't know you would love to meet you so welcome so welcome and uh, please come say hey after the service Uh, this summer we're going through this song of solomon and we're calling it the summer of love and it's this idea that uh, the sermon series we just finished was like people's first encounters with jesus so jesus has come he comes into people's lives and he surprises people. He surprises people with what he focuses on, who he focuses on, uh, what he loves, what he hates, and um, he, he invites us to be curious about him and what he is all about. Um, and so that was this series we just finished, and now we're in this series uh, where he is communicating to us what he came to do. Like, I didn't just come to be this interesting, beautiful force that, that is you, you've never experienced before. But I've come with a, a very specific purpose and that purpose is for union between God and his people. And so this summer, we're studying the book of the Song of Solomon, which is a, a collection, maybe just one big poem with a lot of stanzas or a collection of poems that, that work together to present this hyperbolic picture of covenant love, that it, it starts with desire and courtship and goes through marriage and and into mature love and marriage between a man and a woman, but not just any man and any woman, because it's this hyperbolic picture. It is King Solomon, so the most powerful, richest king, uh, and this peasant farm girl, and so this this is extolling the the beauty and the majesty of covenant love and marriage between people. That is something that the Lord created to be a blessing for us, but it doesn't stop there. Because this, this is for everyone. Because what this is, is ultimately pointing to the marriage, the communion, the union forever between God and his people. The shepherd King Jesus and his bride, us, the peasant, who is, who is dark but lovely, as, as it says in the, in the passage that we, we studied a few weeks ago. Who is, who is lowly but is beautiful to our King Jesus. And I'll just say this. Um, for me personally, to study this book and to prepare for these sermons and to spend time with Jesus in this passage in, in this scripture has been extremely beneficial for me and encouraging for me and I'll just share one example um, at this point in my life I'm very comfortable with God as father uh, there was a time when I wasn't comfortable with that but now I am and what is very what has been very uncomfortable for me and almost kind of impossible for me to experience is Jesus as husband and God as lover, especially as a man, uh, that has, has been complicated to figure that out and frankly have never really taken the time and, and done a deep dive to try to move in that direction. Um, but I've realized that I have been stunted as a result of that. Because he is saying in scripture, I am asking all of you to see me this way. I'm asking you to engage with me in this way. And, and so that's what we're doing. And that is my prayer for us as we walk through this passage together, especially today, we talk about love and covenant, um, that he is enabling us to learn how to come to him and see him this way. Uh, and and especially maybe more difficult for us men in the room. But as a, a mentor of mine said recently, um, until we know how to be a bride, we can't be husbands. Which Which what he's saying is, Until we've been loved with covenant love in this way, we're not going to know how to give it out. Um, So, JB, if you'd come read our passage for us.
1: On my bed by night, I sought him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. I will rise now and go about the city, in the streets and in the squares. I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not watchmen found me as they went about the city. Have you seen him whom my soul loves? Scarcely had I passed then when I found with whom my soul loves. I held him it would not let him go until I had bought, brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her who conceived me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelle's of the field that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. What is that coming up from the wilderness, like columns of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all the fragrant powders of a merchant? Behold, it is the litter of Solomon. Around it are sixty mighty men, some of the mighty men of Israel, all of them wearing swords and expert in war, each with his sword at his thigh against terror by night. King Solomon made himself a carriage from the wood of Lebanon. He made its post of silver, its back of gold, its seat of purple, its interior was inlaid with love by the daughters of Jerusalem. Go out, O daughters of Zion, and look upon King Solomon with the crown with which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding, on the day of the gladness of his heart. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats leaping down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn ewes that have come up from the washing, all of which bear twins, and not one among them has lost its young. Your lips are like a scarlet thread, and your mouth is lovely. Your cheeks are like halves of a pomegranate behind your veil. Your neck is like the Tower of David, built in rows of stone. On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle that graze among the lilies. Until the day breeze and the shadows flee, I will go away to the mountain of myrrh and the hill of frankincense. You are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Depart from the peak of Amana, from the peak of Sinner and Hermon, from the dens of lions, from the mountains of leopards. You have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You have captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How beautiful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much better is your love than wine and the fragrance of your oils than any spice. Your lips drip nectar, my bride. Honey and milk are under your tongue. The fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. A garden locked is my sister, my bride. A spring locked, a fountain sealed. Your shoots are an orchard of pomegranates with all choicest fruits, henna and nard, nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon with all trees of frankincense, myrrh, and aloes with all choice spices, a garden fountain, a well of living water, and flowing streams from Lebanon. Awake, O oh north wind, and come, O oh south wind. Blow upon my garden, let its spices flow let my beloved come to his garden and eat its choicest fruits i came to my garden my sister my bride i gathered with myrrh i gathered my myrrh and my with my spice i ate my honeycomb with my honey i drank my wine with my milk eat friends drink and be drunk with love this is the word of the lord
0: father uh we come to you this morning and we are in desperate need of experiencing you like this. Lord, we are, we are far too easily pleased with lesser loves. We are far too easily uh, swayed by our own fears and, and past experiences to be afraid of exploring a relationship with you in the way as described here in this passage. And Lord, we are the poorer for it. And so would you please come and do healing work bring flourishing to us, bring peace, bring unity with us and you and with us, with one another um, and with within marriages that are in this room. Lord, would you bring deeper unity. And Father, we just we ask that you would help us to see your son as as full of beauty, full of power, full of love for us and be changed by that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this passage here, we are, we are kind of in the middle of of the Song of Songs, and uh, this is the lead up to the wedding ceremony, and this is the wedding night, and the, we've we titled, I've titled this sermon "Love and Covenant." You know, we've been talking about love and desire, love and these different things. This is love and covenant, and where we are, it, I mean, it doesn't take a. a uh, Master of Cultural Sciences to know that when it comes to love and romance in our culture, there is this idea that any kind of formal commitment that has any kind of legal basis is does not uh, go together with true love or romantic love. It, it's something that is boring, it's stale, it makes it stale, it makes it boring, it gets in the way, it lessens it, and really freedom, the throwing off of any kind of commitment like that that would hold me to something that I don't feel anymore is bad and is an enemy of true love. And I remember listening to this podcast a few years ago, I think it was an episode of This American Life, and it was this interview with this, I don't know, I forgot what the angle was, but it was this young man in his 20s and it was talking about his experience with his girlfriend at the time, and he was sharing how they were figuring out that they didn't belong together. And so he said, well, first, of course, we're going to, you know, we live together, because how else can you know if, you need, if you're going to spend the rest of your life with somebody? So they moved in together and, and are sleeping together. And then it says, well, you know, then how could we know if, if, if we were supposed to be together for life if we don't really know what else is out there? And so then we started having an open relationship where we could date all these other people, and be with all these other people, and then uh, he he says, you know, and then we grew apart. I was like, man, surprise! Uh, <laughs> did not see that coming. <laughs> but but that is, I mean, that right there is is a a picture of the the competing narratives of love and what is necessary for love is is it total throwing off of any kind of commitment? Or uh, does commitment have something to do with the expression of love? And so um, what scripture says is um, you have to have commitment. You have to have covenant. That there is a place. There is a place for committing yourself. Uh, there is a place for living and acting uh, you're living and acting in love, being rooted in something more than just your feelings and more than just your desires at the moment. And so we see this in in the first five verses of this passage. Um, verses one through five of chapter three, this is a dream that this woman is recounting. And she uh, is, is being spoken to in a dream, as God sometimes does. And her dreams are revealing her heart's desires and her heart's fears. And this is a great, Picture of dating and and where you are when you start dating seriously somebody um, is this twin fear and desire and it says that she is uh, on her bed and she wakes up and the one whom her soul loves is gone and she can't find him and then it says that she goes to look for him and she still can't find him and then she goes out into the streets and she's looking at night, and the only other people on the streets are the city watchmen. And she is going to these great lengths to find the one whom her soul loves because she cannot rest until she finds him. And then she eventually finds him and, and clings to him. And it says, uh, when I found him whom my soul loves, I held him and would not let him go. And what she wants to do is she wants to take him to her mother's house, to the very room where she was conceived. And what she is saying here is um, dating, this love without covenant is a dangerous place to be. At the end of that passage, she goes back to a, a common refrain that we hear in this song multiple times, which is, hey, single women, listen to me, do not awaken love until it is the right time. Because when you get to this place where your heart and your soul and your life are this tangled up in somebody else, it is a loaded gun. It is powerful. It is dangerous. And the only place for it to be safely expressed is within this covenant. And she is going through this street and she's saying um, there's like what is being revealed through this dream is um, I am in this wilderness full of dangers until I can somehow find a way to be with this one whom my soul loves and bring him to the core of who I am bring him to my very origin story so that he can fully know me and know my people and my life and I can do that for him and we can be in this safe uh, relationship together where I don't have to fear something happening and what what's being revealed in this dream is the human condition it's this deep, deep desire for love that's plagued by our vulnerability and our fickleness. We are so vulnerable. <laughs> we have, most of us have been in relationships where things are going really great until they're not. And then the beautiful words that delighted us all of a sudden become empty because they're just gone and they aren't felt anymore and the person's not there anymore. And no matter how good things are going, there's always this fear of, what if this other person loses interest in me? What if this other person finds someone better? What if they finally see me for who I am? They see all of my flaws in a way that they didn't before and they don't want me anymore. And we all know what this feels like, right? We've experienced that. But it's not just that we're so vulnerable, it's also that we're so fickle. We're like my, my four-year-old son who was driving a golf cart the other day. Um, he really wanted to drive. And at one point he's sitting on my lap singing, you gotta be safe, you gotta pay attention. And then two minutes later, he's like seen something in the grass and he's not even watching the road anymore. And so we, we wrecked and we got hurt. No, we didn't. I was driving <laughs> too. Um, but that's, that's how we are with our emotions. It's like if my emotion is driving the golf cart of this relationship, we're in trouble. Because there's days that I feel good and I'm really excited about this other person. There's days that I don't and I'm not excited about this other person. I start to wonder, well, you know what? Maybe there's somebody better for me. Maybe there's someone who can help me feel good all the time. And so we have all not only been on the receiving end, but we've been on the giving end, most of us. Um, We have said things to people that we don't mean. We have said things to people that were very intense and very passionate and then the next day we changed our minds and we're not with those people anymore. And we've made promises that we didn't keep, haven't we? So all of this has to go somewhere deeper and, and what she is dreaming about is what she is desiring is covenant. She's desiring covenant love and so then we move into this this next part of the passage where we see this covenant being made. Okay, so I'm using this word covenant. Um, what am I talking about? Well, um, Tim Keller says beautifully, uh, a covenant is a stunning blend of law and love. Um, it, is this, it is this thing it, w- that is recognizing like I, it can't just be one or the other. I have to always have both. Love without law is what we just talked about. It is just the Wild West. We are slaves to our desires. Things could change at any moment. There's so much pain. We're walking through minefields and we're all gonna get blown up. But love, but law without love is also disgusting. <laughs> law without love is ugly and is uh, painful and is, just destroys our hearts and our souls because we were made for love. So you have to have both. We have to have both. And so, um, Back in the day, in this ancient Near East and in ancient Israel here, uh, the time of the writing of this this song, uh, what, what, we can't go into all the details, which by the way, um, preaching through this is very difficult because more than any other time, every Sunday there's about 500 times more things that I want to say than we have time for Um, because of all of the imagery and like we could spend three hours on every line or more so um, there's just a lot that we can't get to but um, what happened in this culture was for the wedding ceremony uh, at the engagement the groom would go to the bride and her family and say I want to marry you and they would have this you know, agreement and basically the covenant was made there, and then he would go away and prepare a place for her. Um, think about what Jesus said in John 14. He would go and, and build on, usually, a room on their property or actually on their fa- his father's house. And then when the time was right, he would go with his, his crew, his entourage, and go get his bride and bring her to himself. And then they would have the wedding ceremony and then they would be together. And so um, that is this, you know, covenant wedding um, that is both law and love. And we see that in this passage. We see um, the ceremony is the law part, like where he goes and he is before this passage. We know that he is gone and he's spoken with her father and they've made an agreement with with the bride and her father and had this covenant agreement. And then he's coming to get her. That's when we see like, what is this coming up from the wilderness? This is, King Solomon coming with his entourage to get his bride and bring her to himself. And then we see them at the altar, her behind her veil, and him telling her how beautiful she is. And so we see the ceremony, but then we see the love in the descriptions that he has for her. Like, I love you. I love everything about you. And the way that he goes into these beautiful details, you have the law and the love. And without covenant... um, the only thing that we have, the only thing that it can be is I will, I will be what I should be as long as you are what you should be. And then if you're not, then I'm out. But covenant alone says, I will be what I should be whether you are what you should be or not, forever. Because I made this commitment to God and to you and it's not gonna be broken. That is the only place where love and intimacy can grow. Is the only place that's safe enough for us to open up and grow. And our God is a covenant-making God. We didn't come up with this. He is the author of covenant. And, And one of the first covenants we see in scripture is God making a covenant with Abraham. And he's making a covenant with Abraham that you and I are direct beneficiaries of. Because we know from scripture that says, Abraham's descendants are the people of faith. And so God covenanted with Abraham, man, talk about another whole sermon series that we, I just dropped a little bomb for. Um, what he is saying to Abraham when he made this covenant was I'm gonna be your God and you and your offspring are gonna be my people and I will be your God forever and I will bless you forever. And what they did was what was common and how, how the covenants were made between like a Lord and a peasant uh, in that culture, is they took these animals, and they cut them in half, and laid the pieces out, and, and usually, it was just the weaker party, it was the peasant, and not the Lord, uh, who would walk between the pieces, and what he was saying, symbolically, was may this, may this being torn in, in half, happen to me, if I don't make good on the commitments that I'm making to you in this covenant, And so a very interesting thing happened when God made a covenant with Abraham. You can go back and read about it in Genesis. Um, He had Abraham prepare the pieces. The pieces were cut and separated. There was a a way down the middle. But then it says that Abraham, a a deep sleep fell on Abraham. And when he awoke, he saw God walking through the pieces. (laughs) God and Abraham did not walk through the pieces together which even that would have been amazing. Abraham did not walk through the pieces at all. And so what does that say? That says that God said, I will hold up my end of the covenant and your end of the covenant. And if you break the covenant, if I break the covenant, I'm gonna be torn to pieces. And if you break the covenant, I'm gonna be torn to pieces. And, And that's what happened. That's the cross. Jesus is coming. You know, the whole Old Testament is this mystery. How can you say that you will not stand sin and and yet you've made this covenant with your people to say, I will never leave you? And the mystery is revealed when Jesus comes and says, I am the one who is gonna be torn for you because both, yes, to both things. I cannot abide with sin and I will never leave you and I will be torn in two. And that is love, that is covenant love. That is covenant commitment and love. That is this stunning blend of law and love, as Tim Keller said. And you cannot love with covenant love if you haven't been loved with covenant love, but everyone, we who are in Christ, have been loved with this love. And so as we go through this this next part of our passage, as we see Solomon coming from the wilderness, I want, I want us to see this as the people of God, the bride of Christ, and I want you to, to have your heart moved <laughs> and to be stunned and amazed and to see this Jesus as he is coming, your shepherd king, to come and marry himself to you and let it captivate your heart. What is that that is coming up from this dangerous wilderness for you? It is your king who is victorious over all of your foes over all of demonic uh, powers, over sin, over death. He is coming victorious from the wilderness where he was torn and now is alive again. And he is perfumed with myrrh and frankincense. What does that mean? Frankincense is what you would put on offerings to make them acceptable and pleasing to the Lord. Myrrh was this expensive ointment that kings would wear. And it was also uh, put on Jesus's body to prepare him for burial. And so you have this, this shepherd king who was torn, who was dead and is now alive, who was the sacrifice that was acceptable and pleasing to God, who is a king, who is coming out of his burial to life again, to never die again. And he is coming to marry himself to his people. This is the lamb who was slain and the lion who has defeated sin and death and Satan. Behold, it is your shepherd King Jesus, and he is surrounded with power, which means you and I never, ever have to fear the terrors of night again, no matter how dark they get, no matter how black it gets. And so there's this call, all of us who belong to Jesus, go out and look. Go out and look upon him on his wedding day. Look at him in his joy. Look at him as he is coming to meet you with the crown of that his mother has put on his head, look at his face. It is not a face of disappointment. It is not a face of disgust. It is a face of the the gladness of his heart. This day, this wedding day for Jesus and his bride is the day of the gladness of his heart. And you need to see his face. I need to see his face. We need to see and see past all the lies that we tell ourselves about who he is and what he thinks about us and all the lies that the enemy tells us about who he is and what he thinks about us. Because he knows, he knows how black it is. Because he's gone to the depths and dealt with it. And so when he sees you now, there is nothing that stains his face as he looks upon you. His face is full only of delight and joy and love for you. This is your Jesus who is coming to you on the day of your wedding to him, the gladness of his heart. And what does he say when he gets here? Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. And then he walks through these seven characteristics of of what he finds so beautiful about his bride, seven being the number of perfection. You are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. How can he say that about me? How can he say that about you? Well, let's go to Ephesians 5. "'Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church "'and gave himself up for her, "'that he might sanctify her, "'having cleansed her by the washing of water "'with the word, so that he might present the church, "'his bride, to himself in splendor "'without any spot or wrinkle or any such thing, "'that she might be holy and without blemish.'" Perfect, clean, complete, beautiful. Brothers and sisters in Christ, We have been made clean. We are being made clean. And we will be made clean. And when your Jesus looks upon you, that is what he says to you. You are beautiful and there's no flaw in you, not because you're such a great person, but because of what I have done for you and my love for you. My love makes you beautiful. And then he says, come with me, my bride. Leave this dangerous wilderness and come And dwell with me. And so the question is, why would you not? He is asking this question of you. He is offering this invitation to you right now. Leave the wilderness. You don't have to run across the the mountaintops anymore looking for what you want to find and running away from the wild beasts that are seeking to tear you to pieces. Come with me. Enjoy me. Be safe in my love for you. Flourish with me. Find health and life in me. And so why would we not? When we know that this is who this Jesus is and what he has done for you and how complete it is, you don't ever have to worry that his words are gonna be empty. You don't ever have to worry that he's gonna change his mind about how he feels about you because he's already given everything. There's there's nothing left to do but to run to him. And too often, uh, we stop here in the church. We, we stop with this covenant that's made. And we, we don't move forward into the enjoyment of that covenant. Because when two people get married, after the wedding ceremony, they don't just high five, right? <laughs> they go enjoy each other completely, because that is what's, that's what the wedding is for, is the, the total enjoyment and consummation of that love. And it's not just the wedding night, but, but that is a huge part of the joy, and it's what flows out of that perfect union together for the rest of their days. That, that is why you get married, is to enjoy this other person, to be united to this other person, So he says, um, you have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. It's this beautiful picture of this, everything that we're talking about. It's captivated, uh, it's desire. There's a deep, profound desire, both both within a, a human relationship in covenant marriage and with Jesus for us, his people. There's a deep desire of him for you and for me and he, and he says you've captivated my heart my sister there's this familiarity there's this love there's this friendship It's not just sex it's not just romantic love it is it is the joining together of of all parts of of who somebody is it is this deep friendship and enjoyment of being together and then and he says you've captivated me my sister my bride there's this covenant there's this Fulfillment of this beautiful marriage of law and love. And then in verse 11 and 12 of chapter four, he talks about, he's using this language intentionally. When he talks about enjoying his bride, he uses the language of milk and honey and the garden of delights. And so what's, what's, what this is hearkening back and forward to, it's hearkening back to uh, the garden. It's hearkening back to this innocence and, and peace and safety, and enjoyment of the Garden of Eden before sin spoiled everything. But it's also this pointing forward of milk and honey to the promised land. This is where we are going as the people of God. This is it. This is where we are going. We are going forward to the promised land where we will dwell with Jesus, our husband, for all eternity in perfect union with him. This is what marriage is supposed to be, this is what human marriage is supposed to be, a foretaste of this, of this safety, of this flourishing, of this innocence, imperfect but beautiful. And so I wanna just stop here and say, if your marriage is not this, or if you are single and your sexuality has been broken, and you have made decisions that you regret, and other people have done things to you that have hurt you, and, and we've been warped. We've been victims and perpetrators, all of us. What do we do with that? This is a beautiful picture of this perfect wedding, um, but no matter where we're coming from, we are not disqualified from this. This is all of our stories in Christ, and so if we have Sexual brokenness, if we have sexual sin, if we have places of shame and pain, um, guess what? Remember who our Jesus is. Remember what he says when they bring the woman who is caught in the act of adultery to him. Do you remember what he said to her? Because he says the same thing to you. I'm not going to condemn you. In fact, I didn't come to condemn you, I came to save you. (laughs) Go go and sin no more or rather come with me and sin no more and enjoy my love for you and let me bring healing to you and to those places. If anyone is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he or she is a new creation. Where we have been does not define us. It is not this black mark that we can't get rid of. It's gone. He has made us clean. He is making us clean. And then we get to the epicenter, the last verse of chapter 4, the first verse of chapter 5, the epicenter of the Song of Songs, literally. <laughs> there's 111 verses uh, or lines on either side of these two verses, and that is not an accident. This is the consummation. This is the pinnacle. This is everything. Is this coming together and this union. And so the, the author of this song is saying, I want you to really dig in and pay attention here. It is for this man and this woman, this bride and this groom to be together and to enjoy each other, to eat and drink of each other and be drunk with love. Y'all, this is, God is the author of this. And when we run away from healthy sexual expression, uh, we are doing damage to ourselves. When we run into unhealthy sexual expression, we're doing damage to ourselves, but um, God is not asking us to, he's not asking married people to save themselves for the new heavens and the new earth. Like he created sexuality, he created our bodies to function in these ways, to be delighted in these ways, because he's saying this is a picture Of the delight that you have been made for with me. And so when he says, he talks about um, her garden being a garden that was locked and sealed until this point, he is not a killjoy. He is saying, I am protecting you so that you can fully enjoy what you have been made for, both physically and spiritually. And so now that there is this covenant there in place, there's this security, this safety, this committed love, now the garden is unlocked. And now we are here to enjoy each other and we are here to enjoy our Jesus. Listen to the language that he uses for his people. Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. Therefore a man shall leave his mother and father, hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And guess what? This mystery is profound and it refers to Christ and the church. John 17, 22 and 23 as Jesus is praying Uh, Before he goes to the cross, he says to the Father, The glory that you've given me and I've given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. It is this deep, deep union and communion that is what we were made for. And that is what we have to move into and let Him lead us into or else we're gonna keep running after these uh, like shallow loves that don't satisfy. And so as we experience the covenant love of Jesus, we are able, more and more able to love with covenant love in marriage. I'm better able to love Lee because of what Jesus is doing in me. Um, as he continues to mature me, as I continue to experience his love for me, I'm able to love my wife in ways that I wasn't able to love her before because I can only love with the love that I've experienced. And as we continue to grow in him, he enables us to love in our marriages. There's death and rebirth, and we can't weather death without covenant. But not just that. We are able to love with covenant love increasingly in covenant community like this this is a covenant community we have if you're a member that's that's one of the reasons membership matters so much is that we're committing ourselves to Jesus by committing ourselves to each other we cannot separate the love of God from the love of his body and we express our love for Jesus through loving him in his people It's, it's like um, if, if two people are married, it's like um, one person just being stuck in the wedding night mode as life goes on for, for both the people. And it's like the other person's doing all the things that are required to make life work. Like all the, the heavy lifting and the other person's just like, man, you're so beautiful. It's like, okay, yes, that's great. And that will always be a part of this relationship, but now it's time to like do things too And and the same is true for this community. It's like we we need each other. We can't just come in here and say Jesus is is beautiful (laughs) and that's the only expression of our love for him is is we have to love each other. We have to actually do the things that are necessary to make this work and to to come around one another and, and love one another with his love. That's why membership is important is because it is a place that we learn how to love like Jesus and love with his love and is a, a primary way that he matures us. And I'll say this too, um, we have brothers and sisters in this room who are not married and, and may never be married. And, and we are made to experience his love in flesh and blood. And we have a responsibility to one another, everybody. We all need each other desperately. And not just a shallow like, hey, it's good to see you. How's your weekend? I'm gonna see you once a week and never talk to you again. Like if, if you have committed yourself to this body, we have committed ourselves to each other to really know each other and to really love each other and to really serve each other even when the feelings are not there both corporately like giving and serving in the various capacities that we have to to make this happen the thing that God's called us to the way that we meet with him but also individually by serving the individual men and women and children in this room who need the love of Christ as expressed through us and it's a two-way street we also need to be open to being loved <laughs> and letting ourselves be loved but this is, the, this is the adventure that we're on. This is the journey that we are on together, is moving into deeper unity and communion with Jesus by doing that with each other. So, wrapping it all up, covenant is not a burden. It's a gift. It's, it's the only thing that makes experiencing this love that we were made for possible. It's like the setting in which the, the beautiful jewel sits in order to be appreciated And enjoyed. And so now, today, we get the gift of going to the table, and we get to experience uh, this covenant love for us in a very tangible way. And so um, Jesus, the night that he was betrayed, um, he told his disciples in the upper room as they celebrated the Passover, he said, This bread is my body that's broken for you. You know, this, this is my body that was broken in the wilderness so that you could have life, so that I could come and get you after that. So feed on me, know that you are clean because of what I've done for you. The, the work is, is over to be acceptable to God and to be okay with him. I have done that for you. And then it said, after the meal, he, he gave them the, the cup, the wine, and he said, this is my blood that was shed for you, and what this is, is a new covenant. You know, when a, um, uh, a groom would come and, and get engaged to a, a bride, they would, he would offer it, and then he would offer a cup of wine, and she would drink it to complete the covenant, to say, yes, we're, we're going to get married, and so he's saying, drink, this is the wine of your marriage to me, it's, it's like what he's saying in this passage, come, come with me, leave the wilderness. Come into the safety that you long for of my love for you. Drink this and know that you are not drinking God's wrath, you are drinking God's favor. And this is a foretaste of the wedding to come. And so who is this table for? This table is for every man and woman who knows that they need a savior. And that that savior is Jesus. And that that Jesus has done for them everything that is needful to be done so that they could now have union with God. And so if that is you, come and taste and see that the Lord is good and that he loves you very much. It does not matter what you did yesterday because that is not the basis on which he loves you. You come to this table if you know that you need a Savior and your King, Shepherd King Jesus loves you and gave himself for you, you come and feast and and enjoy the foretaste of what is to come. And so the way we do that here is you'll come to these kneelers and uh, unfortunately today we have tiny wafers that you need a microscope to see, but they're under the cup of juice. It's two cups. Um, and so come and and meet with Jesus and Put out your hands when you're ready to receive the elements. Ask for prayer if you want prayer, Um, and we would love to pray for you. And we also have gluten-free bread if you need that, so let us know. Father, uh, we love you. Thank you for loving us. We know how to love only because you have loved us. And even though you have loved us ultimately and completely, uh, we have not fully experienced that love yet, so we ask you to continue to open our eyes Open our very souls, and our lives to your love for us more and more, so that we will be able to love you in return more and more, and love the people that you have given us to love, more and more as you love them. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, so everything we just talked about and sang about is true, and. You may be in a place where you are acutely aware of the brokenness of this world. And you may be walking out of this room directly into serious suffering or serious pain or serious hurt. Don't do that alone. Remember who you're married to, okay? And hear these words from your Jesus who is faithful, who has already given you everything so you know he's telling the truth. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Go in peace.